I'm chatting with Victor Armendariz, who's running in the July 20th Republican primary for the 4th Congressional District. Victor, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, basically, uh, just a quick little background. Uh, my father came here um, about, oh my gosh, 40 maybe so years ago. He came here on a student visa from Mexico, um, came uh, to go to school here, learned English, uh, worked his way as a, in hospitals as a just, just a like. Uh, an assistant and worked in as a busboy as a waiter uh retired in atlanta georgia cfo of a major company so uh, basically i saw the american dream i saw what my father was able to do um he instilled a lot of those values in me and and i growing up just was always taught hard work it'll get you if you want something hard work and uh, I've basically reached a point where I've, I've just been working in the private sector, and I'm a neighborhood guy. I was born and raised in District 4 here in Atlanta, and I've just seen where things are going. Not happy. Don't think we've had a candidate that could put up a fight in District 4, uh, and that's what impelled me to get in the race. Well, you're running in an overwhelmingly Democratic district, and oddly enough, you're locked in a primary with three other Republicans. What shot do you think you have, if nominated, at beating Hank Johnson? Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely an uphill battle, uh, but I will tell you, District 4 has changed over the past couple of years, and this is a unique year as well. We, we've got a lot of independents, a lot of conservatives that are fired up. They're, they're just not happy with with a the representation they've gotten from hank they're not happy of the candidates that the, that we've put up over the past few years um and they're not happy with the direction of the the country the, the basic growth of the federal government uh taxes and the outlook of the upcoming uh year um and for me is i bring a non-politician to the race i i am probably the furthest out of all the candidates that could be qualified as a politician. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to be a career politician. I uh, I love the history of this country. I love what the founding fathers stood for. And our founding fathers wanted representation from the districts to be of the common man. Uh, you know, a common man. They go. A worker goes to Washington, represents the people, and comes back. Uh, that's my goal. And when I'm out speaking with people, I just speak to the people on the level of the people. I, I don't want more bureaucracy, and I think I give people now an alternative to the career politician. It, and that being, I'm just a guy, and, and yes, I happen to be minority, uh, or you know, people say that because uh, my father's from Mexico. I look at myself as an American first, and I love this country, and I feel like uh, I give the option to go up against Hank to people who feel like, you know, I've never voted for a Republican before, but, but this guy, he really does stand for the people because I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. If you want this country to, to have that dream possibility like it used to be, then, then hopefully we can come together, and, and that's where I'm drawing support. President Barack Obama is pushing another $50 billion in, uh, in stimulus spending. Would you support his latest job creation gimmick? No, not at all. The federal government cannot create jobs. They can create some census jobs. They can create some temporary jobs. But what everyone needs to understand is every job that comes out of a government program is paid by the taxpayer. 
are getting a smaller, smaller taxpayer base. We have 47% of the population right now that doesn't pay federal income tax. So you've got a smaller group of people that we're just saying, give me more, give me more, give me more, so we can create these programs and disguise it as a job growth or a stimulus. We look at this, everything that's been done for the past year and a half, and we are still going towards double-digit employment. When you count and add in people who've just given up, we are in double-digit unemployment. Uh, so obviously these policies aren't going to work. They didn't work um, in, in previous administrations when they tried that, and it's not going to work now. What will work is when we turn loose the private sector. We've got to cut taxes. It works every time it's done. Now, I am a proponent of the fair tax plan, so I eventually want to get to the point where we replace the income tax with a fair tax, which would be a consumption tax, so that the people truly have control of what of their money and how much they spend. The federal government is still going to get their revenue. Actually, they're probably going to get more. But they can't use the point of a gun to walk into your house and say, we're going to take more from you because you're still producing, and we've got to cover all these non-producers. That's basically where I stand on the stimulus. Well, you focus a lot on the, fa- uh, on the fair tax on your website, but the argument can be made that we can't have tax reform without spending reform. How and what should we, should we cut as far as spending goes? Well, there's no question. Um, even if we move to the consumption side, it is the duty of the American people to keep an eye on Washington and really force them to uh, control spending. Um, I believe we need to have a balanced budget amendment. Uh, we need to look at every program from the Department of Education, which to me is a great place to start, um, to just every department, because if every department could cut spending, and, and there's no question that it can be done. Uh, it just kills me that whenever you approach a government agency and say, you know what, we're, we're going to need to cut 5% this year or maybe 10% over the next two years, they will practically lose their minds. And then if you look at the previous year, they had a 20% increase. So over the, every year, they're having 10, 20, 30% increases, and then we come along and say, gosh, can you just cut back five? They act like the world is going to end or the United States is going to end. Um, so it's, it's just going to take tough decisions, but it's got to come from the people because the only thing a politician fears is his job, which is re-election. And if the people stand up, we still have that power at the voting box. What would you do about entitlement since they represent the largest amount of uh, growth and the longest term uh, threat to this country as far as fiscal stability? Well, there is no question that the, the road we are on is an entitlement mentality. And the more the parties, and, and mostly you've got a Democrat party that is just entitlement-filled. And with entitlement comes control. And I'm, I hate to say it, but there are Republicans that are at fault as well. And the problem with this nation getting an entitlement mentality is that it, it sounds great. A lot of these things sound great. So you have a lot of people, and of course, you've got, like I said before, 47% that aren't paying federal income tax, so an entitlement to them sounds great because it's not coming from their till. It's coming from the producer's till. Um, we've got to just start to, to make it firm and, and, and do a better job of getting our message out of what the entitlement nation will do. 
because if we continue on the road and entitlements continue to grow and we keep coddling groups of people, eventually you run out of other people's money. Margaret Thatcher said it best when she said socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. And you can look at history. Eventually you will run out of producers to keep up with the entitlements that have to go out and because the government – one thing about the government is they do not – earn money, they seize it. So if we can get that message out and let people understand that, you know, in a beautiful utopian world and government prints money and they earn it, hey, that would be great. But they're printing money that they're having to borrow from our great-grandkids even today. Uh, So it's just, it's a horrible road to go down, but it's a message that we have to get out better than we're getting out now. You talk a lot about national security and the need for immigration reform. However, just to point this out, the terrorist attacks that were committed on 9-11 were by individuals who got into the country legally, though they overstayed their visas. Individuals seeking entry into the United States are seeking a better life themselves, much like your father did. Uh, but the process of getting into the country contributes greatly to the problem. So let me ask you, do you support immigration reform? If not, how would you, su- how would you support addressing this itch- issue? Excuse me. I do absolutely support reforming some type. I mean, we have to do something with immigration. There's no question. And I definitely, our our visa system and and the bureaucracy involved is horrible because there are some good people. For instance, I like I I think my father is. I, I think he contributed a, a lot to this country. He he was able to bring a, uh, himself here skills get further educated here and use those skills to retire CFO. So I think there are a lot of good immigrants. If, it's, if we don't have that talent coming over, then America loses. Uh, but we have to be sensible. Uh, I agree. One of our problems, biggest problems with immigration is we do not enforce the current laws. I don't really think we need a whole bunch of new laws. We need to enforce the laws we have. Uh, just like the terrorists of 9-11, who ran out their visas, most of them were here, some of them left and came back uh, here illegally. They came the right way, but but they were here illegally once they overstayed their welcome or their visas ran out, however we want to put it. Uh, But by not enforcing the laws and not having our law enforcement in the position to enforce the laws, that was a gap. And as far as the the borders with the illegal immigration, I have a lot of sympathy for them because they, they, most of them, I agree, are hard-working people, and they do want to come here for a better life. What I, what I don't like what I'm seeing in some places is that it used to be the overwhelming illegal immigrants would come here with the idea of assimilating, the idea of learning the language, getting on the road so they could uh, to citizenship. But now we're seeing a lot of illegals that are getting in trouble with DUIs. They're getting in trouble with domestic violence. They're getting in trouble with gangs. They're get, and that's the type of activity that we don't need that we need to cut down on. And we need to go back to letting them understand this is what America stands for if you want to assimilate. But don't come over and, and try to force yourself on with your culture. The problem I think that some Americans have, they don't have a problem with the immigrants themselves. They have a problem with being told that you've got to give up some of your American culture to bend over backwards so you don't offend another culture. I think if we could bridge that gap, that it really, really would be a better thing. And the reason why I stand firm 
on getting control of the borders is because I do think eventually we're going to have an issue with, with terrorists trying to come over that way because when they see, and I'm sure they see today, that it is easy to come through, that I think it would be crazy for us not to think that they haven't thought of a way to do it um, or they're thinking of a way to do it. So that that's why I, I stand firm on let's get control of it Let's figure out who's coming and going, and then let's work on a guest worker program. Other countries have done that, and it's been successful. If, if we can spire up this economy and, work, and have a worker program where we can bring workers over, we can work with the companies here, we can work on the visa system, I just think we could make it a better place for, for everyone. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights get a lot of mention on your website as well. Uh, that, that always gets my interest, uh, considering how much the government's power has been expanded, far beyond what is allowed by the Constitution, in my opinion. But what are some specific instances where the government has overstepped its authority, in your, in your opinion? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, the Constitution and our founding fathers, they had the great insight to make it clear that the federal government's number one job is to secure the sovereignty of the United States and to protect its people, protect the American people. Um, the nanny state that we're turning into is just absurd. When the federal government is trying to dictate how much companies can pay their workers, when they're trying to dictate you have to uh, provide health care. We're going to control your life through health care. Because if you allow them to control health care, it ain't going to stop there. Next, they're going to control what we eat. And they're going it, to, it's, it's, it's almost as if you give them your health care, then you're giving them your life. Um, taking over GM, Chrysler, these are private businesses that, that the federal government is sticking their hand into. And once the federal government is large enough to, to run the economy from the central government, then you, you are not a free nation, and we are completely away from what the Constitution um, has provided. And the, the Bill of Rights specifically limits the federal government. It specifically says the power resides with the people and the states. And we have completely gotten that backwards. And we're allowing, as a people, we're allowing the federal government to get away with it. And, and again, I, I always go back to we have the ballot box. We just have to get our message out better and get people to understand. I think this is our best year because I do believe with the Tea Parties that we have people who have never been politically active. And they're becoming active. They're not being told. They're not being rounded up. They're not being bust in. These are regular people that I'm meeting every day that have never been active that are actually getting off the sidelines, so to speak, and getting involved. And if we have that kind of electorate, then we can push back and, and fight the federal government because as a people, it's our duty. Our federal government has gotten out of control. Um, I believe we're, we're on the road to tyranny. And as uh, believe it was Thomas Jefferson that, that uh, said it's the duty of the people uh, to take back its government. Do you believe the Patriot Act and uh, warrantless wiretapping are abuses of government power? Um, I believe it can absolutely be. Um, I, as a, if you're a citizen of the United States, I don't believe under any circumstance that you, the federal government should be allowed to do uh, a wiretapping, uh, anything without a, without a warrant like that. Um, I strongly believe that if you're willing to give up liberty for security, then you're on a bad road. 
um, liberty has to come first. Freedom has to come first. That is the United States. And we cannot start encroaching on those civil liberties on our own people. Um, I understand that if we have someone in this country that, that uh, is on a guest visa or some type of visa, student visa, and they are from a Islamic country, let's face it, it may not be politically correct, but we know who the attackers are. We know who 99% of them are. Um, I mean, what culture they're coming from. So I understand that if we have somebody and they're making calls to a Middle East country, then yeah, that that's probably going to have some grounds for some wiretapping. But as a, as a United States citizen that's in this country, um, now I would not be in any way, shape, or form for encroaching on their liberties in the name of security. With the recent spill in the Gulf of Mexico, support for offshore drilling is is dropping. Well, plummeting is more the word. Uh, do you support expanded drilling for oil in the United States and offshore? Absolutely. And uh, and what what bothers me the most is I believe it was Rahm Emanuel, who is part of the President Obama's uh, staff, who said not too long ago that never let a good crisis go to waste. And what bothers me now is I believe the current administration is going to go hard after cap and trade and more restrictions on drilling because of this crisis. It's a horrible crisis, but we also need to understand that the reason we're we're out and having to drill 5,000 feet under the ocean is because the environmental groups forced us out there. A small vocal group of people that got into the government that forced that drilling. If we were drilling in 500 feet, that spill, that, A, it may not have ever happened. B, it would have been capped in less than a day. I'm just, I, I feel that strongly. I know that we could have done that. But when you're pushed out 5,000 feet, that that's just, it's a horrible thing to have happened, but that's the issue that's so hard to cap that uh, spill. Uh, but we have to look at the factors on why we're out there so far. Uh, but in no way, shape, or form should that spill tell should that cause us not to drill. We we need to become more in this energy uh, independent, and we can do that by utilizing. Uh, more drilling and we don't have to go out that deep and we have the best ways to do it we have the cleanest ways to do it you know uh, russia drills china's going to drill china's going to come drill on our back door right uh, around uh between florida and cuba and it's okay for them apparently but not for us when we have the better techniques we have more laws on the book more regulations on the books so if anybody in this world can drill safely and cleanly it's us and I do believe that that is something we need to do. We need to look at nuclear power because we have to have short-term power to get to the long-term green energy. There's no question that we're Americans. We have the best ability. When you let the American ingenuity go to work, we will come up with, with green energy. We'll come up with amazing ways, but you can't force it into the market. We have to have the ability to work it and and utilize the technology that's coming but but to expand on that technology if we force it it we can see it'll be too costly it, it's it's just and then you have unintended consequences from it so if we can do that short term which to me is drilling nuclear power coal mining to get to the green energy which i do believe we will well you mentioned it you stole my thunder uh, about the obama administration using the uh, spill in the gulf to push cap and trade 
Uh, so I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on cap mm-hmm. and trade, and what will it do to this the uh, voters and the constituents of the 4th District? Well, what I'm trying to do is explain to everyone, as I'm on this campaign trail, is first of all, I don't call it cap and trade, I call it cap and tax. Because we are taxed so much as a nation, and cap and trade is going to put taxes on business. It's going to in, at power your energy bills are going to go up. So that's a tax on on people. And I don't care if you are that the lower end, the middle end, the high end. Your energy goes up. That's a tax. And if you look at your power bill lately, you'll see all kinds of little taxes that are included in there. So by putting forth this cap-and-trade policy, all it's doing is finding a way for government to to tax business. And if you look at what's behind it, it's going to affect private industry. It's going to affect capitalism because it gives that taxation, which gives that control to government. So in in effect, we're going to have a federal government which – tries to pick winners and losers, which they do through the tax system. And by cap and tax or cap and trade, it's just another way for them to tax. But the taxpayer pays the brunt of it. What what I wish more of my constituents would understand, and, and I say my constituents, but everyone I'm trying to get their vote, um, what I wish, and of course all around the United States, if they would understand that any time a business is taxed, whenever the government comes along and they hit, whether it's a corporate tax or, or cap and trade or somehow this tax, it's going to be passed down to the consumers. The only people who pay taxes in this country are income earners. So if a business, you can complain about corporate taxes or complain that businesses don't pay t- uh, enough taxes. Well, I got news for everybody. Business isn't going to pay a tax. They're going to pass that tax along to the end user. So it's going to affect uh, everyone at the bottom level who's earning income, everyone who's out working or paying their power bill at their house or uh, the energy to, to use for the lighting, the cars, you name it. And so I try to get this point across District 4 that they are the ones that are going to be affected, not just big business. It, it's a great sell to say we're going to stick it to the big guy, we're going to stick it to corporate. But if you're a user of power you're going to be hit, and it's your family that pays the increase, not the business. Well, do you have any final thoughts for listeners? Um, well, for everyone at District 4, yeah, please uh, uh, remember Victor Armendariz, and if you have any questions, please go to my website. It's victorforcongress.com. Uh, my personal email address is on the homepage. Uh, you can reach me, uh, ask me any questions. Uh, but we, we need to get excited. We need to stay uh, just energized uh, because I truly, in my heart of hearts, I feel like we can take this district. This is the year to do it. This is the year to show the country that we do care and we can flip, we can reverse course, flip this house and really take back our government because what we need to remember is the United States is we the people, not we the government. Well, Victor, thank you very much for your time. I wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Hey, it was my pleasure.